Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's night three of the Democratic National Convention. And it seems each night there has been an opportunity to show off what could have been here in Milwaukee. We were really looking forward to having you here in America's Dairyland. Unfortunately, the pandemic means we can't do that this year. But what unites us is far, far greater than what divides us. The Trump campaign making an all-out blitz on Wisconsin. I did hear the Democrats were supposed to have their national convention in Wisconsin, but they couldn't make it. Where the other side's online, we're going to be on the streets in the Badger State. Holy mackerel, folks. Let's get to work. The DNC is finally here. Not here as in here in Milwaukee. Here as in happening now. So as we go into the last night of the convention, what does all this mean for November? And will Milwaukee ever get its chance in the spotlight? From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here again with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hi, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Thursday, August 20th. And we're here with two Fox 6 reporters who have been working, to say the least, tirelessly to bring you the latest information about what's happening at the DNC and how the Trump campaign is responding. Jason Calvi, Amy DuPont, thank you both for joining us again on Open Record. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks. So, Jason, we're going to start with you here. Uh, You've been running around like a maniac covering so many angles all this. But we've heard a lot of big names speaking at the DNC on night three, uh, which would have been Wednesday night. What were the highlights from night three of the DNC? Well, the headliner last night was Kamala Harris. She accepted the Democratic nomination for vice president, made history in doing so. History that would have originally been made in Milwaukee, but of course, because of this pandemic, it was switched and she accepted it in the home state of Joe Biden in Delaware. The first woman of color, the first African-American, the first black American woman to accept uh, the vice presidential nomination. So that was history in the making last night. And she laid out the argument that there's chaos in this country, that there is you know, the loss of lives the, with the pandemic, the, the loss of jobs, the, the loss of normalcy, as she said. And she said, our country can do better. And so she laid out the argument that the that the future generations will look back upon this and, and ask what people did right now to make a difference. And, and that difference in her words, her argument is to vote for the Biden-Harris ticket. So... Let's fight with conviction. Let's fight with hope. Let's fight with confidence in ourselves and a commitment to each other. To the America we know is possible. For the last four years, we've been hearing a lot about how the Democrats ignored Wisconsin in 2016. And Amy, the Trump campaign has made no bones about the fact that their strategy 
is to be here in person while the DNC is held virtually. So how's that going? Absolutely. They, they're they running a blitz on Wisconsin. Monday, opening day of the DNC, President Trump was in Oshkosh. On Tuesday, they sent his son Eric to Milwaukee. On Wednesday, the Vice President Mike Pence was in Walworth County in Darien. And all of their spokespeople, as well as the VP and the President and Eric Trump, they've all said the same thing. You know, we have not forgotten Wisconsin. They've talked over and over about they refuse to make the mistake that Hillary Clinton made in 2016. Remember, she didn't spend a lot of time in Wisconsin. They've named or laid out the number of days since Joe Biden has been here. Uh, They're trying to prove to voters that they care, and it's because they care about Wisconsin and the Midwest that they're coming here. And of course, their argument is that Democrats don't care. Uh, They even referred to uh, Democrats using the words flyover states to talk about Wisconsin. Now, I've never heard any of the Democratic candidates say that. I don't think that they would. Um, But again, that's the kind of theory that they're pitching, that Wisconsin voters don't matter. And that's why the Democrats are not here. Jason, you've been uh, covering so many angles all week of what's been going on here in Milwaukee. uh, But obviously what you are covering in terms of a convention in Milwaukee is unlike anything we expected to see uh, when Milwaukee was announced as the host of the 2020 uh, DNC. What is actually going on in Milwaukee and what have you seen in terms of the operations on the inside? So the operations on the inside, so so pretty much there are still a few things happening in Milwaukee. Most of the speeches are being given not are being given outside of the city of Milwaukee. But the one thing that the the important thing that's happening in Milwaukee is the digital control room. This is in television. We have control rooms, and that's where the, there's a director, and, and that he or she will have hundreds of, of feeds coming in from across the country, satellites, uh, live cameras, Zoom interviews, all those delegates that were seen uh, clapping last night when Kamala Harris accepted the nomination. All of those feeds are coming in and the director is is uh, able to choose, he or she's able to choose which camera to go to, which video clip to go to. That that hub, that uh, that's the brains of the convention really, that hub, that video hub is in Milwaukee. And so in Milwaukee, you'll see huge uh, security fences up around the Wisconsin Center, Secret Service agents guarding and protecting this this site, which originally we were expecting there were going to be 50,000 people descending on Milwaukee for it, for this convention. And with them, $200 million flooding into area businesses, restaurants, bars, hotels, uh, and the like. And now, really, I was walking the streets yesterday completely empty all around the Wisconsin Center. I mean, people going out for a walk here and there, going out for a walk with their dog or going for a bike ride. But that's just the normal. It's even quieter than normal, really. There's nothing happening down there except for this, like I said, the digital control room. And then we also, from time to time, will if there is a Wisconsin speaker, like tonight we'll hear from Senator Tammy Baldwin, uh, she will be speaking on this small stage inside the Wisconsin Center. Last night we heard right before the program was supposed to start at 8, it, it did start a little early, 7.58. Governor Tony Evers spoke the night before. On Tuesday, Mayor Tom, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett spoke about uh, 10 minutes before the program of 8 o'clock. He, he, he spoke uh, like around uh, 
50 before, you know, 750 before, uh, that's uh, 10 minutes before the program was supposed to start at 8. So we see some of these people speaking from Milwaukee. Mandela Barnes uh, on Tuesday uh, revealed or, or announced the delegate uh, allocation for the state of Wisconsin. Jason Ray, who's a Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee County resident, he was able to, from that stage at the Wisconsin Center, start the roll call vote that, uh, again, was historic in that it went across all 50 states and, and, and territories. And uh, that was led by Jason Ray, and he started that from the Wisconsin Center on that small stage. So normally all these headline speakers, pre the former presidents Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, they would have all been speaking from that main stage inside Pfizer Forum, 50,000 people uh, also joining in Milwaukee. But because of this pandemic, all of that's really not happening in Milwaukee, except for these small number of speakers uh, on the small stage inside Wisconsin Center now. Going off that, Jason and Amy, you've both spent the last several months preparing for this week and keeping track of all the different changes and how those plans are unraveling and coming together in different ways. So I'm curious about your observations about how the reality has compared to the expectations. I don't think anyone had an expectation going into this. It changed so quickly and it's changed so many times and it is so different than what we had pictured that I don't think going into Sunday, Monday, Tuesday that anyone really knew what this was going to be like. If you talk to local business owners and even local Democrats, I think it's fair to say that they are very disappointed. You know, during the pandemic, there were some businesses that were still, you know, fingers crossed, hoping that all these folks were coming to Milwaukee. So they, when they weren't making any money, invested a a lot of money into their businesses in order to be prepared for the convention and it didn't happen. Mater's just down the road, they opened a beer garden, which I think we can all say we'll all benefit from as a city. But again, that was the first time they had done anything for that. It was for the DNC up until the very end. They were still hoping a few people would come to town that would take advantage of that. And it just hasn't happened. So disappointment, I think, you know, whether you're red, blue, I think green wise, we're all part of the green wise, right? We want our economy to do well. It's been incredibly disappointing. You know, even before this year, uh, conventions have largely for many years now become a lot of pomp and circumstance. They aren't really often the place anymore where a nominee is decided we know going into any convention, Republican or Democrat, who the nominee is going to be. And 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 this becomes a, a place, the convention becomes a place where the party tries to get voters energized, to get excitement behind their campaign, behind their nominee. And I'm wondering with this virtual convention, is this going to land? Is this and this is the you know, the Republicans are going to face the same thing uh, when when they have their convention, which is can you really get a base or, or the voting public energized through these prepackaged virtual videos. Um, it, very little of it is live. And, and you have to actively look for the stream or look for videos to really get yourself engaged unless you are watching on one of the broadcast networks. But it's, it's difficult to, uh, or I wonder how, how difficult is it, I guess, to get voters energized in this format. And, and Brian, both the president, VP, and Eric Trump, they made mention of that. They talked about, we love your enthusiasm. We love being here today. We need you to tell, like the vice president said, tell someone, I ran into Mike Pence the other day at Tank Craft, and here's what he had to say. So they are, they are 
you know, using that, the fact that they're there and that people get excited at rallies. You're right. It's absolutely about enthusiasm and building up to the November election. And they are going after that point day after day after day, telling Wisconsin voters, hey, we're here. We're hearing you. We're excited to see you. You're excited to see us. Keep that up. There's this idea of, of a convention bump that, you know, after the convention, because of it's pretty much a week, four day infomercial. It's always it's been like that for, for recent times, recent conventions. Um, there's a convention bump for the nominees. And so it'll be interesting to see what the poll numbers look like for Joe Biden coming out of this convention uh, and see how this digital this digital framework, how that plays out in the hearts and minds of people. Because as you're saying, there's not that audience there for even the speakers. Right. So when you're when you're giving if you've ever given a, a, a speech publicly or or if you've ever been if you're a comedian, you know, you play off you play off the give and take with the crowd, especially uh, when you're when you're given a fiery speech. And if that crowd's not there uh, cheering you on and, and, and highlighting you're punching various words and things like that, it's it's probably harder as a speaker to, to deliver those speeches. Now, of course, there have been speeches that have really resonated with people that we've been talking with this week. But um, we'll see what the poll numbers reveal about that. You heard President Obama really making a pitch uh, for the independent voters last night uh, to come on board and, and make the determination. And that's where this election is going to be decided, right? When you look at the poll numbers in Wisconsin, uh, President Trump won this by fewer than 1% in 2016. And uh, there's more than 1% of the state of Wisconsin, which right now says they're undecided about who they're going to pick in 2020. So those are the people that are going to really be the ones that President Obama was trying to pick off last night. And that's what these appeals are, are I think, trying to, uh, to, to garner here uh, during this somewhat uh, or mostly all virtual convention at this point. So it sounds, Jason, like you're kind of making the case that this isn't just pomp and circumstance. There is a measurable segment of the population that people are going after right now. And there is a chance that these efforts in both the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign could inspire the kind of enthusiasm that could get those people out to vote. Exactly. Right. To to that. that, and, And you heard that message and you you saw those appeals over and over again last night. Hillary Clinton, you know, encouraging people to text a particular number and and, 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 and getting them to commit to vote and, and getting those absentee ballots out. There were several speakers this week have, that have said, okay, if you're going to vote, you know, in person, you can do that. You know, M- Michelle Obama, right? But, but she, she mentioned this too. You know, if you're going to go vote, you got to wear your mask and you got to be ready to stand in line for a long time. You got to be willing to have that sacrifice. Um, you, you saw appeals to, you know, get your absentee ballot in early and, and mail it in. So there's no no problems with the mail service. I mean, all of these people are trying to make that pitch to vote this time around because what we saw in Milwaukee, for example, which is this key, you know, part of this key battleground state that President Trump was able to flip uh, in 2016, what you saw in the city of Milwaukee is 40,000 fewer people voted in 2016 and President Trump won the state by fewer than 23,000. So you can see that differential there. If a lot of those 40,000 would have voted for Clinton, that would have caught, that would have tipped the scales in in Hillary Clinton's favor in 2016. And she mentioned that last night when she said, listen, I need everybody to vote because you can still you can still win the popular vote and and lose the election. Trust me. That's that was her message last night. Talking back to that point of the this convention where the speeches are not in front of crowds. I'm a as it's not a secret. I'm a St. Louis Blues hockey fan. I grew up in the city of St. Louis. And last night I was watching Blues hockey playoff hockey. There are no crowds. But what the, what they've done with these games, what we've seen with baseball, what we've seen with other sports is they are 
piping in crowd noise. Mm -hmm. And in hockey, playoff hockey, the crowds aren't just occasionally noisy. It's sort of a raucous environment throughout the game. And they've piped in this very raucous sound. And as you watch, you've got the pipe organs playing. You've got the music. There is a sense of, even though it's inauthentic because it's it's fake noise, it feels real. And I and watching the game, I was surprised how much it felt like regular playoff hockey. I, I was actually very impressed by that. But it only contrasts with something like this where you can't do that at a political convention. You can't pipe in convention crowd noise. <laughs> um, it would be interesting if they tried that. I, I'd be curious how that sounded. But because they can't do that, it almost hangs even more with the emptiness of those speeches that are being given, especially the ones that are being given at a podium in what would have been a convention hall, uh, but are otherwise empty. And, and I just wonder if, you know, you were seeing, uh, you know, threads on Twitter and in other places where people who even came to the DNC to watch with enthusiasm for Democrats saying, this is so boring. And that, and you're one, I'm wondering how that, and again, I said, Republicans are gonna face the same thing when they have their convention, which will largely be virtual. It, is, is how do you get that energy up and get that bump? I, Jason, I think you made a great point. Will we see the the usual uh, convention bump afterwards after this kind of convention? It's obviously the first time in, in American history we're dealing with this, so it, it's a whole new thing, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You saying that, Brian, just makes me think of a sitcom-y like scenario <laughs> where you know they have the speeches ahead of time and there's a laugh track and then right. there are like planned booze. I would love to see someone do that. I would love to see someone take these speeches and actually pipe in the, the fake crowd noise as like what it might have sounded like had there actually been a live convention. I mean, obviously, sports have proven we can do it technologically. So I don't know, maybe somebody with some time on their hands. Could, <laughs> can you uh, imagine, can you, imagine you know, because in 2016, right, I was there in 2016 in Philadelphia and you had Bernie Sanders crowd or his, his delegates and supporters booing and heckling and, and even staging a walkout, right, in 2016. So you can't do that virtually. I mean, can yeah. you imagine though if they would have just piped in a couple of boos when, <laughs> when somebody like, like John Kasich was speaking, a, a, for, you know, a former Republican governor, and you can imagine just a couple of boos there for him from, from some of the more progressive people that wouldn't want to have any... Uh, Republicans on that stage. <laughs> this is going to date me, but d did any of you ever play the 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 bubble hockey game in person at like yeah. I don't know, have them at arcades where you had the, the hockey players that went up yep. and down the slots. Absolutely. They had a, but the a white button noise. on the yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, there was a white button on the side you could press to boo. And it would and I, I imagine like people watching and being able to sort of inject their own booze into the uh, maybe maybe they could make that an interactive experience. If enough people at home are clicking boo or yay, then it would affect the actual crowd noise that's we might have just come up with a new way to do virtual conventions <laughs> you got to do this brian get your name on that you can make some money <laughs> but i mean all all kidding aside amy jason is there anything that's really surprised you or anything that's happened this week that you didn't expect i know we talked about going in with really no expectations and that's kind of what makes certain things fall flat like we were just talking about what, the one thing, Jason, and maybe you're hearing and seeing the same thing, is both tickets are using the same words. How often have we heard, this is the most important election of your lifetime. This is an election about choice. This is a time of great challenge and great choice. They're all using the same exact political punchlines, right? But they mean totally different things for their audiences. And even, you know, the president coming to Wisconsin and the VP and all these candidates, 
they're saying it's about enthusiasm, but they're also taking shots related to the pandemic, right? Because the Democrats say you shouldn't be here during a pandemic. It's not safe. But Republicans are using it as a show of strength. We can do things safely, just like we opened the economy. Now we can reopen schools. We can gather people um, and that he is a strong candidate. How many times have we heard the line, Joe Biden's hiding in his basement, right? They And they want to bring their base. And, you know, Republicans, I think it's fair to say, older, right, than a lot of Democratic voters, those people are concerned about their health. And they're showing them that, you know, even during a pandemic, they are the strong leader, at least physically, right? They're getting out there, traveling, doing that. But it's all the same words, just spinning them one way or the other to satisfy their voters. Well, you know, what stands out to me as well in listening to a lot of these speeches, if you really really pay attention to the words that Democrats are using, they're they're attacking Trump. Obviously, this is and and while they are talking about what Joe Biden brings to the table, many of them are really focused on the failures of the Trump administration in their view. And so I, I do wonder, is this an election? Do they view this for voters as an election about just let's be done with Donald Trump or is it about let's really get behind Joe Biden? And I think maybe that may be the trick for them is can they get enough? You you look at the election of Barack Obama, there was genuine enthusiasm across the country that built and you saw him uh, uh, just, just cruise to victory uh, when he became president. There's not obviously going to be that same level of enthusiasm for Joe Biden in terms of what it means historically. But the question is, can they make this as much about electing Joe Biden as it is about getting rid of Donald Trump? Well, and do they want to? Right. Is there more incentive to vote against than there is to vote for? Mm -hmm. I think that's the big question here right now. Yeah. Jason, you must be hearing the same thing I am with choice, freedom, challenge. You must be hearing that when you're in Milwaukee this week. Right, right. And, 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 and again, I think both sides are bringing up the, the pandemic in their pitches, too. Right. They're, they're saying that, you know, they're saying President Trump on the Democratic side did not handle this pandemic well. And then on the Republican side, they're saying, listen, we the economy was 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 surging before the pandemic. And now now we're you know, now the economy is getting back on track. So, I mean, they're both they're both touching upon these these key issues right now, really the key issue of the pandemic and, and trying to uh, spin it their own spin it their own way and say that their candidate is the one the one uh, to go with for for 2020. So there's kind of this jaded attitude in Milwaukee right now, right? Because this was supposed to be uh, the opportunity of a lifetime to showcase Milwaukee. And then we saw that slowly chip away into almost nothing. And Milwaukee gets a courtesy mention, you know, every once in a while this week, but nothing to the level of what was uh, initially promised. And Jason, this week, I often think about an interview you did with Joe Biden when you asked if Milwaukee could get a rain check for 2024. How how likely is that looking right now? Yeah, he, at that point, when I interviewed him in May, he said, uh, not if not if he had any say, they wouldn't need a rain check. Uh, but now there's still this emphasis on rain check. And, and Mayor Barrett just yesterday on Wednesday, he, he again was on stage. There was a press conference outside and he, he was sharing that podium with uh, the DNC chairman, Tom Perez, and the CEO of the convention, Joe Salmanese. And he made that pitch again. He said, you know, we're going to leave the lights on for you. Come back. Uh, come back in 2024. Or 
hey, the Republicans can come back, come here for their convention in 2024. So he, he's making that pitch right now to have a re, to have a make good, to have a rain check. Um, and I asked uh, Joe Salmonese about this yesterday, and he said um, that people are indeed talking about this. Lots of people are talking about the possibility of bringing the convention here in Milwaukee in 2024. But he said, listen, the leadership team, the chairman, the selection committee, all of those people, all those leaders that are going to make that decision, they're going to be new people for 2024. And so it really is too early to make any determinations or any promises or any commitments to bring Milwaukee here. But there is definitely that chatter out there. So look for that to be playing out in the next couple of years or next year. And the other thing to keep in mind is our conventions going to go completely virtual in the future. This was brought up at the press conference yesterday. And uh, the one thing that Tom Perez said is the one thing that definitely looks like it's going to be changed permanently maybe is this roll call vote where it, it, it really went to every state. There was video clips, live and recorded clips from every state in American territory. And I think they really, really appreciated those, those little speeches. And I think that part of the convention, whether the next convention in 2024 is completely virtual or completely in person, I think that roll call vote, it looks like, will be what you saw on Tuesday night where it was the convention around America with that roll call vote. I mean, without those roll call videos, we never would have heard about Rhode Island's calamari comeback. So, you know, there are things we've learned. I've had a craving for it ever since. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but holy mackerel, we hope they come back to Milwaukee in 2024, right? Oh my All right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks. Thanks to uh, to Amy and to Jason, both of you for joining us again. We're going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic, the DNC and so much more. Thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And thank you again to Amy and Jason for waking up early after long nights and taking us through what we need to know about everything that's happening with the convention and with the response to that. Please subscribe to Open Record. If you haven't done that already, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Tuesday. Tuesday.